So, I hope. Love Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up the world, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. And we have the author of The Coronation here, right from England. Justin Newland is here. And we're going to talk about... Maggie Van Alice celebrates the exceptional harvest, but it's those Russians that came in and took everything. So Maggie tries to stop them. A Russian captain strikes her. His lieutenant, Ian Verma, who I love, defends Maggie, and there's a whole lot, Marion, and there's a whole lot more. So good morning and welcome to MJ Network. Well, yes, it's it's afternoon here, Fran, but there you are. Good morning to you. (laughs) Thank you for having me on your show. It's it's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. It was fun talking to you. It's freezing here, people. Um, So give us just like a short summary and how come, why this time period? Because there are people listening, I hope. Yeah. it's a very interesting question because why the time period is a very important factor in why I wanted to tell that story and why I set it at that time. Um, my other novels are also at particular, what I call turning moments in um, world history, if you like. Mm. Um, and the first novel I wrote just very briefly was set in ancient Egypt. The second novel I wrote was set in in China in 1400, mm. which I also think is another huge turning moment in history. And this one, The Coronation, my third novel, set in, in East Prussia, which is uh, an ex-Baltic state, in 1760. Um, and it was during the period that was called the Great Enlightenment. So... I chose that particular period because I I figured that was the last time that certainly people in Europe um, Mm. and possibly in America as well at the time were what I call close to the rhythms and passage of the seasons, close to the rhythms of the land and the passage of the seasons so that there'd be a, a harvest festival uh, there'd, be, there'd be processions, mm. there'd be celebrations, there'd be the the, 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 the plough day, you know, and, and people's, people's lives were marked by the passage of the seasons. There was a connection, a kind of, mm. uh, there's a kind of Greek word, I don't know if you know, it's called Arcadia. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the notion very simply is, is that people at the time lived in harmony with the rhythms and pulse of the land. Mm. Now, in 1760, 
that all changed because from no factories, small communities, smallish cities, there were cities of course, um, no mass consumption, cottage industries, suddenly you had something called the Industrial Revolution beginning. And you mm. had mass consumption, you had huge cities, and this is what it spawned in the coming decades and centuries. Uh, you've got mass consumption, you've got removal of the people's natural rhythms away from the natural rhythms to living on, in concrete, uh, next to big houses, away from nature, if you like. Um, so I, I figured the, the moment of that discovery by James Watt, which comes into the story, marked mm. a significant turning moment in history. So that that's what I'd say initially in answer to your question. I don't know if that gets us gets us off running, does it, Fred? Yes, it did. So now we meet. I felt so bad, Marion. Tell us about her title and what happens when these miserable Russians come to take over everything, and she could only do so much as one person. Well, yeah. Well, Marion von Donhoff. Um, <clears throat> was the name of the character, sorry, um, mm -hmm. Marion von Adler, sorry. But I based her, her life and her, the, the setting on a real-life character called Marion mm. von Donhoff. She was a real-life countess, but she lived in the 20th century. But she lived in the house in Friedrichstein, which I changed the name to Ludwigstein in the book for just mm -hmm. for discretion purposes, uh, which is in the same place, about 10 kilometers west of what is now Kaliningrad, but what was once Konigsberg, the capital of East Prussia. So she wrote this wonderful biography. In fact, perhaps towards the end of the show, I'll, I'll read some very, very moving parts from it, which described this particular castle or schloss it's called in German mm. I have to excuse my pronunciation my German's not very good but um, I did have fun learning a few words do you, mm -hmm. do you speak German yourself at all? my grandfather did uh, my grandfather ah, did taught he? me yeah my grandfather did so I did a little bit but he spoke, taught me okay. um, Yiddish I had to speak yes, Jewish to my grandmother because she didn't speak English uh, at all. I had to learn. And then my mother, she was a tyrant, sort of, yes, uh, oh. sent me to Hebrew school, but that was fun. I mean, I could literally okay. translate it in my head back then. And of course, there was piano and um, violin lessons, which were great. The only thing I hated was dancing lessons, but language was fun. Oh. Yeah, I, took, I, mean, I had to take French some... and that wasn't any fun. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll see, maybe we'll come on to some of the Jewish characters in the story because he plays quite a big part, actually, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and of course, we, you know, that, that's a whole history of why the Jews were in that part of Europe in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but that is another story. So going back to Marion. Um, uh, so she. Her, her title was, um, uh, she was a countess, and she lived in this, mm. um, uh, she was a Junker, that's right, that's the word I'm looking for, the German word called Junker, 
which is a kind of a landowner. Um, but for the most part in history, sort of landowners and have been seen as sort of ruthless capitalists, you know, cruel to their people and um, forcing them to labor terribly on their behalf and giving them poor food. But I wanted to portray a kind of whole different scenario for the relationship between the uh, the landowning gentry in this case and the uh, the peasants or the workers or the laborers. Um, and I kind of wanted to, again, depict that harmony that I talked about to do with Arcadia, where everyone worked for the same thing. It's a bit like mm. a bit communistic in a way, um, but maybe communism is just a degeneration of that idea. Um, mm. So that that was her title, and what what had happened um, in the uh, in, in the late 1750s, um, King Frederick the Great had taken over this area of Germany, or what was called Prussia at the time. And he was a Protestant state. He was a Lutheran state. Um, in fact, you may not know, but um, he was the first monarch anywhere in the mm. world to institute universal education. Mm. That sounds like a very grand thing, but actually what it means is he wanted everybody to be able to read. And he wanted everybody to be able to read a particular book. And you can no, imagine. guess which, which book it is. It's called the Bible. So he, mm -hmm. he got everybody going to school because he wanted all the kids to learn to read, to learn to read the Bible. But it set a print for uh, universal education. So there you go. Um, so he was um, an expansive fellow. He was quite an articulate man. He wrote books. He was a leader. He was a scholar. He was a warrior. And he started uh, building armies and started taking over parts of that Eastern European area. Mm. But his neighbors were two very large established, old established empires. One was called Austria. And one was called mm. Russia. And both at the time had empresses. Not emperors, empresses. Mm. And so women were ruling the, 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 those two empires. And they, they fought him. They didn't want him to be taking over these lands. Um, so they set out in, in battles to, to, to defeat him. <laughs> the extraordinary thing was that um, there's no way that he, he should have kept them in the field for as long as he did because he was a small country and they were he had massive armies but they couldn't agree how to work together <laughs> so he, he, he kept giving them the runaround and making sure that they didn't join up join their forces and he kept in the field until what happened was the the empress of Russia died mm. And um, Russia was then taken over by um, uh, uh, Tsar Peter, I think Peter III, if I remember. Uh, but he was married to a Prussian. So their whole policy changed. And they didn't necessarily stop fighting. Well, they did stop fighting um, against Prussia. And so halfway through the novel, there's this sudden change in their fortunes. 
mm-hmm. um, which you may have read about. Um, and they go to Konigsberg Cathedral. I've, I've actually been to the, 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 some of these places. I actually visited them about 20 years ago. Um, and quite extraordinary it is to walk around those streets and sort of get a sense of the land, um, and particularly the amber, which features in the land, and perhaps we'll talk about that in due course. So you, you better say something, otherwise I'll carry on and on. Uh, no, so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> now this, this is really upsetting, because as, as the Russians try to get her and then somebody tried to hurt her, and she gets you know people on the staff, how do you get people to help you fight back? She got hurt and, and, and everything. And what was he to pay, and why? it's really weird. Well, what was happening was that occupations by foreign um, armies mm. was kind of done in a slightly different way to the way, mm. the way it sort of happens today. They don't sort of take over every asset and resource uh, of a city like they do today. Um, they sort of just occupy and almost like act as a local police force. So life kind of almost goes on as it did mm. before. Um, but, of course, because they are an occupying force, they need food, uh, they need finance, they need horses, they need so on. So the opening scene that you're referring to yeah. is where just after harvest, harvest time, um, the Russian army comes to her Marion's estate and requisitions most, if not all, of her harvest because they need it for their army. Um, mm. And they also take some of their, their um, horses and some of their carts and, and so on. Yeah, and they so took the boys too. <laughs> and and they, they take some of the boys because they want... Um, they want um, People probably probably servants or slaves or even people to fight. It's horrible. Um, interest, another interesting fact I was going to put in was that, you know, I mentioned that the English and the French were fighting in Canada, <coughs> and of course the English in the 1700s were probably one of the richest nations in the world through colonisation and so on. Um, they were actually paying the payroll of King Frederick the Great's army. Mm. So they were paying Frederick the Great, in a way, to fight the Austrians and the Russians. <laughs> so the English were fighting on two fronts, if, you, if you're with me. I don't, I'm not sure that comes out in the book, but I can't remember if it does. So, yeah, he, she gets attacked by um, the... the, the uh, Russian um, Captain Gurieli. I, I kind of yeah. tried to get authentic names as well. He was a, um, but one of his his soldiers who happens to be the son of a, a, a Scottish emigre who's actually a real a real person. I was pleased to find mm. the link. Um, the, the the general for more, uh, his father, was a real person who uh, a, a Scottish soldier who emigrated to Russia became a general. And started fighting for the for the um, uh, for the Russians in Konigsberg. In fact, he was the sort of governor general of the area. So, having I wanted to create that sort of Scottish connection and, and, and found one in history. It's quite mm. extraordinary. 
Now, all of a sudden, she met this, this guy, Her Karkov. Now, how come she had a, he wasn't going to pay her, but he, he gypped her? How come? And she was not happy. So, say, say that again? She, she said that she had certain amount of, of harvest. There was a certain amount left, right? Yeah. And she had a, to know she, what happened to her food, and he was supposed to pay her a certain amount for it, and he didn't. All right, yes. Um, that was, were you talking about her Kharkov? Yeah, I don't like him. Um, no, you don't like him, do you? <laughs> no, not really. What happened was, because she hadn't got any any harvest to feed her people and herself, indeed, mm. she had to sell some of her stock, her, um, her livestock. So, are you still there? Hello? Are you still there? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. So she had to sell some of her livestock. So she went to Konigsberg uh, to deal with this Russian guy who's called her Karkov. Um, mm. And her estate manager had kind of made a deal with this guy. But mm. um, he reneged on the deal, so she had to kind of put her foot down to ensure that uh, he... He paid for what he said he was going to pay. And, and you can probably see from my characterization of Marion that I I kind of like mm. um, to portray strong women in my, my books. If you read some mm -hmm. of the other ones, there the, are the other equally strong women um, in the books. And so she is certainly one of them. So, um, what I like about that her is that she doesn't... She does. She's like me. She doesn't back down, ever. No, you you don't back down. No, that's good. Yeah, that's me too. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have a few more characters here in my paper. <laughs> um, you have a few more have, characters, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say all of them. Uh, we have Ian Charlotte, and we have the aristocrats. I thought they were above everybody else. And why did they? Why did the critical of factory work? What's wrong with that? Because they're they're, they're landowners, and they've been landowners working the land mm -hmm. literally since since um, you know since Adam was alive. <laughs> um, so they you know they don't see factory work as a uh, as a viable kind of product. Um, I mean, I think just just to go back a little bit more into the history. I mean, that area mm -hmm. of Europe, that area of Eastern Europe, which is Poland, Lithuania, um, mm -hmm. Estonia, Latvia, that kind of area, was um, only um, Christianized in about the 11th century. There was an, a crusade, um, not the crusades we know to. Jerusalem, um, but there was a, a, what was called the Northern Crusade by the Teutonic Knights, which is referred to in the novel as well as part of the history. And they they set up a kind of a dukedom um, and, and kind of converted some of the folks there. And eventually it became mm. its own country, its own Christianized country, um, as the centuries rolled by um, and gained you know its own independence. So. Um, I suppose that's where some of the sort of landowning roots were. Uh, and 
you know, that that was the kind of conflict at the time. There's a lot of religious wars. Mm. Um, there's nothing new there, really, though. Um, between at the time in Europe, the Christians, the, uh, the Catholics, and the Protestants or Lutherans. Um, so you can see, uh, you, you refer to some of the sort of chapter headings in, in my book. Yes, I did. I kind of try and bring out, you know, sort of the, the sayings from the Bible, from Proverbs, some things from Voltaire, mm-hmm. trying to evoke the spirit of the times, how they thought, what they said, and why they said it. And um, that, I think that's part of the job of an author, and part of the pleasure of an author, a historical author, to try to evoke what those times were like. Do you know what I mean? I don't think people don't appreciate you, you what those this? times were like. I just finished um, a phenomenal book that people should mm. read too. It's called The Boy from Boudoua. And it's about a man that grew up in Ghana and the right. poverty that he went through and how he fought, had a fought, fight just to get an education of some time because his family made him get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get a barrel of water on his head and go to the river three times to get water so that they would have water because they had no running water or anything. So people yeah. don't, don't appreciate what people went through. Now, a character that I do like, Pastor Leopold, what happened to him? And then... I, something I really love about Marion, she ran her estate with rules. Hmm. Mm. Did you, I did like, you that. like that? You did know, only that? because only because my mother was 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 like a tyrant, and everything was was her rules, and there was no such thing as saying to my father, "Hey, you know, this is getting out of hand." He was like, "Just say, your mother said so." So there's rules. I'm used to that. <laughs> no. But um, why why did she run them by? Even her kids had to follow the rules. Everybody had to follow the rules. Well, yeah, you, look at, you know, her circumstances where she's got maybe 60 or 80 people she's trying to look after, as well as her own mm-hmm. family. And her husband is off at war, fighting with yeah. King Frederick the Great. So she's, she's on her own. She's, she's the boss. So she's got to, she's got to sort of work with, you know, the iron fist, if you like. Um uh, because even then, you know, people will try and rule the roost. Um, so, you know, think things have to be done in the way they have to be done, don't mm. they? Um, um, so that that's why I, I figured it had to be like that. Although in her, in this lady's autobiography um, mm-hmm. of, of Countess von Donhoff, it's actually called Before the Storm. Um, and the storm she refers to is... In 1945, that area of Europe, Eastern Europe, was occupied by the Russians. Um, And they still occupy a little bit of that land. It's kind of called a province, called an oblast, um, which is called Kaliningrad. But she had to flee in 1945, along with a lot of other um, German, Prussian people, from the invasion of the Russians as they came through from the east, uh, forcing back the Nazis. Um, in fact, her, one of her relatives was involved in one of the plots to try and blow up um, Hitler. Mm. She, she, managed, she managed to escape um, any um, recrimination. But she went on to become um, the editor of Das Spiegel, 
which is the, the German word or a newspaper called the Mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, can I can I just read you a little bit from 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 her autobiography? Um, Go ahead. Yeah. So she. I mean, the, the circumstance is that she has left this country um, mm-hmm. in 1945, and she's writing this book. When's she writing it? Published by a guy in New York. So um, I don't know when she's writing it, but many, many years later. And she she says this. So I do not believe that hating those who have taken over one's homeland and denouncing those who have chosen the road of reconciliation necessarily demonstrates love for the homeland. When I remember the woods and lakes of East Prussia, its wide meadows and old shaded avenues, I am convinced they are still as incomparably lovely as they were when they were my home. Perhaps Mm. the highest form of loving, the highest form of love, is loving without possessing. That's, that's, that's interesting. My grandmother was Russian. Really? Russian Polish. Yeah. I mean, that, that is just a oh, wonderful yes. sentiment. A wonderful she sentiment. A, she was yeah. my grandpa. My grandfather, who I never met, that you married, oh. was was Russian something else. But she was she was tough, my grandmother, and she was forced to come to America because her aunt wanted somebody to work in her house. So she wasn't treated mm. exactly well until a second aunt mm. came and she met my grandfather. She worked in a factory. That's mm. why I said this thing. But, yeah, she did. She worked in a factory and she got married and had four kids. And whatever else, she was tough, my grandmother. As a matter of fact, I don't think she ever smiled, ever. She was an experience. But, yeah, she was Russian. And tell us about... um more about Marion. I, I crossed out some of the questions that may give away too much, whatever. Um, That's okay. She started, she started to feel sick. How come her vision was bad? And well, what did they do she, about it back then? Did they know what to do? Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of, I kind of suggest things like um, they had horrific ideas about relieving pain, which is yeah. trepanning. Um, they sort of drill a hole in your head and yeah, I know. Uh, they thought that you know the body could get sort of evil vapors, and that if you yeah. drilled a hole or or put put blood sucking um, animals on your skin, they they'd suck out the evil vapors. I'm not quite sure it worked though. <laughs> we don't. We don't I think wouldn't it want worked, to know. Do we, Fred? Oh my God. <laughs> we don't want to know either, do we? Um, no, I, I, I don't. I mean, I wear glasses. That my vision was, you know. Whatever, and then all of a sudden I need a glasses, and that doesn't bother me. Uh, anything else? No. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even go for cataracts. I don't go for any operations over there. No. No. So then we no, have um, Adler and Otto and Christoph. How 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 do they come into this plot? Well, they're um, um, they're, they're characters in in the mm-hmm. plot, which 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 add to the. The whole interplay between the the workers and the peasants and the servants and and and, and um, uh, Marion, uh, the countess, um, the, the Junker. 
um, and her daughter Cece. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Cece. Yeah, yeah. She 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 tried her best, didn't she? And and she she ended up yeah. um, um, you know, in a, in a in an asylum, didn't she? Um, and um, yeah, there's lots of lots of characters in it. Christoph was the estate manager. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I did, you can you can see I did a lot of research on this. Some of the names, yeah, I did, are, yeah. Um, even of the, the the towns and the street names in the city, uh, all kind of realistic and authentic. Um, where um, where they had a hospital, I think Cece goes to a hospital, didn't she? At one time, mm. was in a place called Lubenicht, Um and that. I discovered uh, it happened a lot in 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 Europe, particularly in Protestant countries. That where there was um, where there had been a monastery, uh, say in the 14-1500s, and there was uh, the Protestants took over from the Catholics. Those monasteries were were then turned later into hospitals. Not necessarily run by mm. the monks or the nuns because they had departed, but they had the kind of infrastructure to allow them to turn them into hospitals. So this particular place, uh, it, it was a realistic place, um, was once a monastery um, mm. and was then run as a hospital. Um, and of course, they were. It's one of the themes in the books um, which I explore, which is the advances in medical science. Uh, which were happening at the time, um, and one of the reasons that period was called the Great Enlightenment because they suddenly began to understand mm. how the hell a body works, which is good for us today. So she gets worse, right? And we yeah. we didn't talk a lot about Ian because she takes him in because he protected her. So tell us about Ian and his visions. Oh yeah, yeah. And why did she get worse? And then you called well, the Adler the all-powerful. How she wasn't thrilled about that either. No, no, she wasn't. <laughs> um, I suppose you know you, you've asked quite a few questions there, but um, Ian was this gentleman who was in the Russian army, um, going mm-hmm. back a little bit to the opening scene, um, and he defends Marion from um, his captain. Um, but then is stabbed in the side um, by the captain and left to die as the captain leads his troops mm. off with all the uh, with all the harvest. So Marion, being a compassionate person, takes him in, tries to heal him. Um, but while he's getting better, he begins to have visions of this what I call the, the Adler. Adler means eagle mm-hmm. in German. Um, and it's a kind of a you know, spiritual entity, if you like. Um, and it's meant to represent the mind, the development mm. of the mind. Because um, in the heraldry of those areas, in the flags of those areas, like Russia, Germany, um, Macedonia, I mean, even across in, in your part of the world, you know, the, 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 the brown eagle, um, it, it, it signifies... Um, the ability for the mind to travel, to move distances, to see things from afar, to have vision. 
Mm. Because you understand, just even um, <clears throat> biologically, an eagle has bifocal lenses. Talking about eyes, mm-hmm. that's a, that's why that's why it can it can circle. You know, like six, sixty uh, or sort of several hundred feet up in the air, but see a rabbit running around on the ground. You have to wonder how it can do that. It's got the most mm. extraordinary bifocal vision to allow it to do that. Um, so that that's the kind of metaphor that I'm using, uh, also of the coronation and the, and the cover, which shows, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, a kind of eagle sitting on top of a, a woman's head. Um, and, you know, the, 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 I suppose the, the, my conjecture in the story and what I'm exploring is, you know, were, were the energies that went into the Industrial Revolution at the time, were they meant to be used for some other spiritual purpose by the humans so, at the time? And so, in other words, that, the eagle is a kind of large bird of purpose in order to, for its good eyesight, the bird itself? The bird itself has extraordinary good eyesight, yes. Extraordinary eyesight. Don't you think people would love that? Yeah, yeah, it has. It's a, it's a well-known fact. Yeah. Um, um, and of course, they have, they have ext- they have very very wide territories as well. Um, you know, an eagle's mm. eerie. Uh, you don't you don't get eagles living next door to each other. <laughs> that mm. Don't happen. Um, but um, that's just the nature of you know that that particular bird. You know, as I say, that the heraldry of that area on the flags and, um, you know, I think I, I mentioned it in the King Frederick the Great had a kind of aristocratic um, uh, order. Uh, I think it's called the Order of the Black Eagle. In the same way mm. you get the Order of the Garter in Britain or... Um, you, or the Order of the Bath, you get the Order of the Black Eagle, because that's what goes with the territory of that, that area. Um, so um, they, they, both he and she, Marion and Ian, get these visions of this eagle, um, mm. and, and it's meant to represent this this, this turning moment, uh, this order, almost like evolutionary um, turning moment in human affairs. Um, uh, so so that, that's the kind of general take on it, um, Fran. Cool. So now we have James Watt and the Newcomb engine. And what did they want from him? What was the favor that they needed from him? Well, the, the Newcomb engine, um, Yeah. Thomas Newcomb was a Devon pastor living in the 1700s. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you know, but down in Cornwall, they have a load of tin mines. Um that's why these, these islands in England used to be called the Cassiterites, because um, it's another name for tin isles. So he invented a very rudimentary pump, uh, which was used to pump water out of a mine, because, of course, that's one of the problems of having a mine, is that water's going to seep into it. So he had this pump, which got the water out of the mines, but it was very rudimentary and didn't work very efficiently. Um, so I mentioned earlier on that amber, the mm. sort of fossilized tree resin, plays a part in the plot. 
because it's mined and most of the world's supply of amber comes from mm. that particular part of Eastern Europe. Um, they have several mines there um, uh, where they you, you can walk along the beach and there's, there's little bits of amber on, on next to the, the, the pebbles. It's quite extraordinary. Um, so to involve James Watt... Um, he the, the pumps in uh, in Prussia are not working anymore, so King Frederick wants to build an amber room because his father had built one and given one to Tsar Peter the Great. So sons always want to emulate their fathers, so he wants to build an mm. amber room himself, but he can't build an amber room because the amber mine is flooded. So they have to send to Scotland to get a replacement for the pump. Mm. And that's how it involves James Watt. So those those elements are fictional. The amber mine, James Watt living at that time, Confederate the Great, they are not fictional. Mm. Um, so I'm kind of weaving in fictional stories to known historical events. You, you understand that, yeah? Yep, I do. Before I forget, Monday mm. at... 9, 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, the author that took over for Robert Ludlum, a uh, Robert Ludlum series, um, Jason Tamborn. We're going to hear from uh, Joshua Hood, the Treadstone rendition. And on the 11th, we're going to hear from Susan Allett. And on the 12th, we're going to hear from uh, Jim Nesbeth, Dead Certain Doubt. And on the 13th, this is where I come in. I get to ask, answer the questions, actually. Uh, my professor and I from Lehman College, my reading professor, Dr. George Cavuto, and I are going to talk about questioning skills. People that, uh, teachers that ask questions from K to 12, that's my expertise, reading and writing specialist, and we're going to talk about the proper way to get kids to ask questions, answer questions, and a whole lot more. So I'm excited about that. On the 17th, the author of White Smoke, on the 20th, uh, Charles Salzburg. On the 25th, um, Barbara Dagoni, her deadly game. And on the 26th, to end the month, uh, we're going to talk about the Afghanistan Forgotten War with Don Bentley. And that's just April. May is going to be even better. So. Hey, you're going to be busy, friend. I, I, I just booked a whole bunch for June, and I don't have any more dates, too many dates in June. Oh. We're going to August because I don't do July. I take the month off. Okay. So, yeah, you know, some, you know, once in a while they let me. Who knows? So yeah, we yeah. have... Okay, cool. <laughs> we have Lester and Dieter, and what's with them? Well, I kind of, you know how you, they say that an author always writes about people he knows about. Well, Lester mm -hmm. was my father's name. Um, oh, so really? He was, he was Scottish as well. Yeah, his, his name was Donald, mm -hmm. actually. His name was Donald Lester. Um, so I wanted to include him, but his soul. Um, and he is um, he's a trader. He trades between Glasgow, um, Bordeaux, and Konigsberg. So he, he's the one who transports the... Um, uh, the shipments of wood, of, of, of whiskey, of whatever, between those various ports. Uh, so that allows the interplay um, with St. Petersburg, where um, 
the, the Russian czars were based, um, and also allowed me to introduce the Amber Room um, in, in the um, St. Catherine's Palace. Um, so uh, it, it, um, it, it's a fascinating period of history, wasn't it? And in fact, I just picked up a book that I was mm. researching. <clears throat> It's actually by a lady named Tiva Shear, S-C-H-E-E-R, called Our Daily Bread, um, German Village Life um, in the Medieval Times. But one of the interesting things you may know, um, Fran, is that I discovered in those researches that in the early um, era of the United States and the immigrants coming from Europe, mm-hmm there was quite a lot of flux and debate about what was going to be their national language. And although you settled with English, there was a time when it looked like it was going to be German. Well, I, no. I can understand. My grandmother came over. Um, mm. My grandfather had to go to the Polish underground to get her and her sisters out. Because they were so many Germans. Yeah, she was um, kidnapped with her sisters, and they were tortured by Hitler's people in the concentration camps. It was horrible. Yeah. And mm. um, she, they, he went out, went back onto the Polish underground and got them. And my grandmother spoke either German or Jewish. They all of them did. I mean, mm. if she, yeah, even to the day she died, she spoke English, but not great. Most of the time, yeah. she would just you know tell me what she wanted me to say. So I could understand yeah. that. Yeah. So Sissy yeah. disappears, and that got me worried. And yeah. then what happened that Firma created something with the mine and engine? What did he think he did? Um, the, the the which engine? The Newcomen engine? Yeah. Or the mine engine? Yeah. Mine engine. Um, well, that, 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 that's sort of giving away a little bit of the plot. Oh, so, so we won't we won't do that um, one. Do, do you mind if we don't? Yeah, because some no, of these later questions, is, we don't want people to be surprised. Now, how did you create the final scenes, the betrayal, the deception, the revenge? And how did you create the next part what, about the soldiers and what they well, did? The new, the new group that came in, not the Russians, the other ones. I wanted to smack them, too. Did you? <laughs> but again, it's, it's difficult because it's the end scene. It, it will be giving away a little bit of the plot. Okay, Would you like so me to we have to tell you a bit about uh, the cover. That sounds good. I was going. That was one of my next questions. And yeah, how did yeah. you come up with the title, the coronation? How would you define that? And how did you create that well, cover? Well, yeah, the cover is actually by a, a, a well-known. Um, fantasy and fiction graphic artist a guy named Jim Burns so it's not my cover his cover's fantastic I I must admit and and that statue Mm. that he used um, is actually called the Veiled Virgin Mm -hmm. and it's Carrara Marble I'm not quite sure what that is but it's a statue by uh, a gentleman called Giovanni Staza uh, an Italian Mm -hmm. around 1850 but if you, if, you, if you look at the cover, Fran, that is stone. I mean, it's in my, it's how in my, it's in my, I have it right a, in front of me. It's how in front did of he me. do a veil in stone? I mean, I, I just God. find that extraordinary. How do you do a veil? How do you make it so fine in stone? It doesn't you know, look you, like you, it. Could, 
It doesn't, does it? But it's a most No, besides the fact that you could actually see the face of the person yes. through the stone. Yeah, no. I, I, I don't know how he did that. Quite extraordinary. Um, well, then you have yeah, a ship next that. to it. You have the eagle yeah, made out of stone also? Um, no, no, this sort of the, the eagle in the story is, is a numinous eagle or an entity or a spiritual thing. Um, uh, but on the cover, it's, it's obviously showing it in a different way. Um, but yeah, he, he did a fantastic job. And the, the ship obviously represents the, 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 the voyages yeah. and the um, and the navigation and, the, and, and, and what have you that was going on at the time. Um, and, and the idea of the coronation is, well, you know, I, th I think I was reading the, the passage I explored it in. Uh, I mean, we're, we're supposed to be Homo sapiens sapiens, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's our genus. Uh, that means man or woman, the twice wise. Mm. Um, so the idea is that if if the caveman was Homo sapiens, and we are Homo sapiens sapiens, is there a Homo sapiens 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 yet to come? Mm. Okay. Is there another evolution to be done? Because clearly we have evolved from the caveman. Because otherwise we'd still be living in caves. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the kind of bigger picture theme that I'm exploring in the story. And that's what the coronation represents, or the idea of it, is that the bit that's going to evolute is not going to be our foot or our knee or our, our elbow. It's going to be the head. And that's why coronation, because it's, the coronation is the placing of a crown on a head. Do you get the idea? I certainly do. And I think that most people, when they read, look at the title, and they look at the cover, they don't quite get that it's a different type of coronation. It's not the typical one where you're having a pope or somebody coronated mm. into office. Mm. It's different. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is the back cover. What is that on the back cover? Is that her estate? Um, no, that's the... What is um, that? That's... Um, I'm going to just grab the back cover. Um, yeah, that's that's Konigsberg. That, that's an old town by the it's river. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, it does look fantastic, doesn't it? Um, you know, you can see the sort of medieval-style houses... Ships yeah. on a river, um, and the reason that the Russians were so interested in it after the war um, was because you got these two huge sandbanks which cover the estuary of the river, the River Pragel. So it's a it's a beautiful mm. natural harbour, um, and ships would sail up and down it. And like in in medieval times, they used to have something called a baum, which you probably know the name. Being, it's, it's, it sounds like a Jewish name, doesn't it? I mm -hmm. think it means barrier. Does it mean barrier? Mm -hmm. um, they used to have barriers to stop the ships going up and down unless they paid a fee for entering the port. So they had all these things. I, I, I never knew, but I sort of feature them in the story. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, I can, I, can, I, can, I can talk forever about these things. So, yeah, but you, you've got... Um, we're getting to the end of the questions there, aren't we? 
No, I just just me. Do you? I can come up with things that nobody else will think of at the last minute now. So yeah, had, okay. you created the final revelations. What is Marion if she could say speak to us? She puts her family before her estate. We know that. She puts everything. We do, we do, don't we? Yeah. I mean, I was I was just revising that scene as as, as I saw you'd mentioned it. Um. I, th- I think people tend to do that, though, don't they? Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes. I suppose. There are people you know, that will English... put their family first, and then some people put yeah, aside money, and, and money and power comes friend, first. Yeah, um, blood sticker and water. Well, for some, power is more important. That's right. Um, oh, they're making noise the downstairs. They're, they're, yeah, they're, that's not me. It's the people in the apartment underneath me decided now oh, okay. was the time to annoy me. <laughs> okay. They're, they're, they're renovating or something. I don't even want to know what. Okay, so, I can hear it. It's really, yeah. Yeah, I know. I can hear it too. It's annoying. And I should have texted yeah. my super to tell him that they're driving okay. me crazy. But I don't think there's anything I could do about it. But So, no, what is next okay. for you? Well, um, following, following the coronation, I wrote a fourth book called The Application, which again is not to do with a king or a queen but it's more to do with you know continuing the theme if you like of well mm. have has some of the human race have we abdicated from being mm. human uh, so that's the general theme but it's a novel that particular story um, which leads me to today today I'm working I've got another publication coming out in September. Oh, nice! Um, it's called the It's called the Mark of the Salamander. Mm. The salamander is a spirit of fire, um, and this story features a young um, a young man who who ends up on board Francis mm. Drake's Golden Hind, and goes mm-hmm. all the way around the world with him, and relates some of the experiences, but also learns a bit about um, the esoteric art of uh, traveling in dreams and things like that, uh, which are continuing some of the themes that I've explored in the coronation. Um, And that's the first of a two-book series, because the second story is called... um, is is, is I'm actually working on at the moment. Um, uh, And that, that will come out next year. So they're set in Elizabethan times, and that features. So you're going to do another tour with uh, partners in crime for this for the next one in September. I I probably will yes I probably will certainly um, if if I'm able to have a a good natter about the book to you, it's all it's all good fun to, um, and that's of course if you you have me back. um, Of course I will. Of course I will. I'm I'm starting. I'm going to brave it um, next month. From the 24th of April to May 23rd, I'm on tour for my book, and I'm, like, nervous because I write from the point of view of the dead person behind the gravestone that was wrongly accused. Like my grandmother, who uh, whose voice was silent, both of them, and a uh, teacher in my school that was wrongly accused before she died and committed suicide. She told me her story, so some of the stories are true. It's called Faces Behind the Stones, Accusations. So I'm hoping that the people that 
all of them decided reviews. Only one guest spot, and that's Gina. It's like, oh, God. Okay, okay, yeah. It should yeah. be interesting, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, they they don't allow I just, I just, uh, negative reviews. They don't like that. But you can't, you know, you can't help it. You can't stop it. No, but I, I think there's there's a difference between negative and constructive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Um, you know, um, I, I, I would welcome constructive reviews because my writing is not perfect, um, probably never will be. So if anybody can give me some hints and suggestions how to improve it, I'm, you know, bring it on. That doesn't bother me either. It's just that when I got yeah. a review on Amazon by somebody that never read the last book that I wrote, they just wrote, it's not worth reading it. I wouldn't buy it. And I, I didn't answer the person, but I know that they didn't read it. There's no way that, that anybody could say that. That, that. There's a difference between constructive reviews and people that just write something nasty yeah, because they have nothing sure, better to do. Sure. And that and that yeah. bothers me more than anything. So where can everybody find out more about you and your work? And my, my dermatologist um, told me, his wife, he called me a few months, weeks ago, and he said, um, in order for you to come and visit the office, which I don't too often, you've got to bring a bag of books for my wife. So, I'm serious. <laughs> he, yeah. I, I literally okay. walked in two weeks ago, and he says, where are they? I said, there are 50 there. I read them last month. Is that enough? So I've, I'm going to put this in, and in two weeks I have to go bring his wife more books because she's got all these bookshelves okay. to fill, and this way she doesn't have okay. to go buy them. So you okay. go, you're just going right in there with the rest of them. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, we, I, I'm on Amazon. Um in the UK, there's, there's things like Waterstones. In, in America, mm-hmm. there's Barnes & Noble. You can buy them through there. I have a website, justinnewland.com, um, where if you want to, I can also enter or write a dedication in the novel and send it to oh, you nice. pay a little bit extra for the postage. But, yeah, that's a, nice, a few people have taken that up. So they're, they're, they're each, it's generally available. All four books are generally available. Hopefully the fifth one will be too. Um, so I hope um, people have been entertained by our conversation, um, Fran, because I think we're coming to the end, don't we? Yes, I'm so, this is so exciting, and I'm just so excited. Last week I had some serious trouble. For some reason, my Firefox decided... It was going to mess up my studio, and I don't know how. Oh. It took me like I, it's a good thing I have my cell phone because I learned how to log on from my cell phone and let some, let myself in, because otherwise, in the middle of the show, it would have died. I, I had a fit. Oh, right. Yeah, that the, and have been the good at all. yeah, and the sound was like, and I never had a problem with that in the years I've been doing it. But one or two of the other hosts mm. said that they had echoes and disconnections, and that gets yeah. That gets me crazy. But thank God I said, oh, my God, he's calling from England, and I just hope that it gets through because the problem is is that I can't call somebody back for a foreign country. They okay. won't let me. And okay. that's what yeah. happened once before when I was talking to somebody from Canada. The phone disconnected, and I just said, you got to call back because I tried to call them. They wouldn't let me. So sad. But this, this has been fun, and I hope I get the next one in September. Even if you don't do it, you yep. let me know. Because definitely, yeah, sure, you know, yeah. it, it'll be my birthday present for my month in September as well. So when's your birthday? Look, I try to forget that. It's in September. September. So okay. What, what date? I'm a Virgo. I'm a perfectionist. It's it's bad. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, what, what it will be that, really. Friend? When when is the book coming out in September? I it's probably twenty eighth. But when's your, what date is your birthday? The ninth. Ah okay, because um, Queen and, Elizabeth the first, her birthday yes. I think was the seventh of September. So you're in, you're well, my in very good was, company, friend. Yep, I am. My my uncle was the eighth, and my yes. I'm, uh, my and I'm the ninth. And my mother, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, my mother didn't know what to buy me one year, so she got me a brother born the same day as me. That's what they claim. So I yeah, mean, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it ironic? In fact, she was a double Virgo, and yeah. she was as obviously famously a virgin in her life. So. She was a triple Virgo. <laughs> triple well, we're Virgos, Virgos are perfectionists. We do everything the well, right way, we but we're and we're very headstrong, but we're very good people. Oh yeah, and, for sure. For sure. And, our, and our problem is, is that we're always willing to help everybody else and not worry about how ah. much it takes. But this has been great. Mm. Thank you so much, Justin. This this is great, and everybody. Please get a copy of The Coronation by Justin Newland. Everybody, I hope it stops raining over there because the sun is shining here. Everybody have a oh, great day, and God yeah. bless. Yeah, Bye. for sure. Yeah, thank you very much, friend.